Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson. Hi, everyone. Good to be with you. Yes, it's good to be with you. We're glad that you're here. And we are discussing the sermon from this past Sunday. I titled it The Secret to Contentment. Hmm. I, I'm not sure exactly what you titled it, but <laughs> yeah, after listening uh, I, to it, that's kind of yeah, what I, I decided. Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we're talking about those um, kind of the hallmark virtues of that other realm and some of the things that when Jesus is in his right place in our lives and we, when we are in right relationship with each other, there's things like humility and unity and joy and contentment and peace. It's kind of among that cluster of things. So I think we talked about it as one of the hallmark virtues. I like the secret of mm-hmm. contentment. I think Paul would go, yep, that's the heart of what I was trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciated the fact that you started your sermon with um, the three different Mm. ways the world thinks of contentment. Mm -hmm. Um, They were they were just to remind everybody the hedonist way, and which is when you have your desires and you work hard to line your circumstances up with your desires. Is that right? Yeah. So get, I get what I want is a simple summary of that. Yep. Okay. I get what I want. And then the stoic is, um, I want what I have. Exactly. Yeah. So I line up my, my circumstances are never going to be exactly the way I want them. So I adjust my desires to fit my circumstances. I want what I have. Exactly. Yeah. And then the Eastern way of thinking is, um, just deny desires altogether. We're not allowed to have them. Yes. Yeah. Um, and deniers, de- uh, desires will always um, lead us astray. They will always lead us. Um, in an Eastern view, um, they connect with, I have some uniqueness to who I am as an individual. And the Eastern view kind of dissipates the individual as a whole and swallows that up in the larger everything is one. So my desire uh, is what takes me away from that and, and denying my desire is what takes me towards that in that, in those, like a Buddhist worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, don't want what you have. Don't want what you don't have. Just don't want is the, the Eastern or Buddhist view. Yeah. 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 And it's easy. It, it's so easy to fall into any one of these three ways of thinking. You know, I think you, you mentioned that the hedonist way is, um, the, oh, now I can't remember what you said. Um, it, the hedonist way, it is hardwired into US, yes. into the US mindset. Yep. Um, but I also, as I've been thinking, I'm like, but I also see traces of the stoicism, you know, and then I also see traces of the Eastern, yes. Eastern mindset of right. like, just deny it. Yeah. Or I'm not allowed to want anything. Yeah, I still remember a fascinating conversation where some of this all, I just felt like this spirit just kind of handed this kind of paradigm to me with clarity. I was on an airplane flying from uh, from 
Jerusalem to Istanbul uh, and sat next to somebody, I don't even remember who she was. And we got in this conversation about spirituality and then she talked about exploring Buddhism and she was this brilliant woman and obviously studied a lot. And, and I just was able, this is just kind of, the spirit just kind of handed this insight um, of, you know, it's, is, is it about, do my desires have validity mm-hmm. or not? And will my desires ever find fulfillment in this life or not? And you could almost plot each of the different world religions around their respective answers to those things. And then mm. the thought was, you know, in Christianity, the really unique thing, and this is kind of where Paul takes us, I think, in his twist at the end of this, the, the unexpected thing is God says, absolutely, your desires are part of how I've made you as a human being. They have legitimacy and they have value, but absolutely you're not going to find the fulfillment of those things here on this level, which feels like this hopeless contradiction Hmm. until you realize Paul is saying, yeah, the solution is want Jesus with all you have. And then everything else falls in place. Everything else comes through the lens that Jesus becomes as we look out on the world and as we make sense of our desire. And it's really interesting. It's going all the way back to Augustine, in around 400 AD, he started talking about um, disordered loves and rightly ordered loves. And the disordered <laughs> loves are when our desires take us off in the wrong directions and our rightly ordered loves are when those things get back in line with the thing that God calls us to, which is to find our life in him and our satisfaction, our joy, contentment in him. <laughs> yeah. I. Um... I love that the biblical way is never, it's just always different than what we think it would be, right? We would think it would be the stoic way. Well, just want what you have. And, And it's not. And it's not the Eastern way. And it's not the hedonist way. It is the biblical way. And it's um, completely different than, than, any of those. Um, and I loved that you also said, it's like the Sunday school answer. Jesus is always the answer. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so true. Yeah. Well, and it is true. That's the irony of it is that's absolutely true. But if we haven't really entered into the sweetness and beauty of that relationship, and if he hasn't captured our heart, then suddenly that just sounds so trite and simplistic. And yeah, right. right. Yeah, as though Jesus is going to make a difference in this broken heart of mine, in this broken world of ours. But he does. Yeah, it's that. Um, yeah, the, the difference that, the, you know, the, the Bible always takes it another direction. It seems like that other direction is always, oh, and by the way, the king of the universe wants to be in relationship with you and has made that possible and stands at your door and knocks. Will you include him in this? whatever the this is. And, um, and I think that's exactly what Paul does. You know, it's, is it me and my circumstances or is it me, my circumstances and this incredible, amazing God who is with me, over me, beside me, um, at work in this, mm-hmm. in all things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, um, 
in the Sunday morning community, um, someone said, we, it's so easy for us to conflate contentment with happiness. Oh yeah. And I, I'm like, oh, that is so true. Cause yeah. contentment does not equal happiness. Yes. And I think that it's easy for us as Christians to think, oh, contentment is happiness. And that is what the world is telling us. If we're yeah, happy, absolutely. we're content. Yes. And what's fascinating is the word happy comes from the word uh, happen. So it's, uh, it's happiness. It's like I happen to stumble, in, stumble into this little oasis of things going smoothly for a little bit of time. And in that, I, I find relief which is so different than joy and contentment, which are things that aren't tied to the insufficiency of our circumstances. Right. So whether we're in that oasis of everything's going our way today, or we're facing really, really hard things. Yeah. Um, when we have when we have the desire for um, for Jesus over over pursue instead of pursuing the right circumstances, then we can be content in those really difficult places. Yeah, that is so true, man. I think I think this COVID season has really tested that. I mean, I've, I've watched committed followers of Christ trip over the fact in the past 15 months that what is being exposed in their heart is actually, I have, um, little did I know I had tied my happiness to my circumstances, hmm. um, to the, the freedom that I have to, or the, the resources I have, or the relationships I have, or the, whatever I have, the, mm -hmm. just my rights. And I want it to look this way that mm -hmm. I just take for granted. And, and I think, the gift God's given us in the COVID season is actually the gift of exposure. Um, oh, <laughs> little did I know that while I was saying my heart was anchored to Christ, it really was anchored more to circumstances than I thought, to happenstances, which is mm. a good word. Circumstance means standing around. And I love that picture of kind of loiterers who crowd in and block our view of God. And mm. happenstances are the things that happen to be standing right around us. And and, and we just keep getting fooled into thinking, yes, it's in this mm -hmm. that my heart will, will land into a place of ease and joy. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah. Um, one of the other things someone said was that fatigue, frustration, and fear all get in the way of our contentment. Mm. And I, I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, that's, that is really true because fatigue, frustration, and fear, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're just three of many, um, but they kind of draw our attention to those circumstances, those happenstances, the how I'm feeling today, instead of um, keeping our gaze on Christ or on, on Jesus in the midst of it. And who is Jesus? And who am I in Jesus? I think that's right. And in some ways, I mean, fatigue is something we feel physically, but when we, you know, we don't choose that. But when we become overcome by it, when it starts to control us, 
then there are ways in which fatigue, frustration, and fear are really symptoms. They, they're like little warning lights that come on our dashboard mm. to expose the fact that in fact, we have looked for contentment in the wrong place. If I'm mm-hmm. frustrated on Monday, um, I was at, by the end of the day, Sharon just said, are, you seem like you're feeling gritsy with me. What's, what's going on. And, and I, I realized when I thought back over it that I was feeling imposed upon mm. and I was letting that be a source of frustration. So I had tied my happiness to things going a certain way for me um, during that day. And that isn't the way they happened to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so that became the source of a prayerful conversation. Jesus, I want you to be the defining reality in this moment right now, mm-hmm. not, not my clinging to a picture of how I things ought, think things ought to go in this moment. Or my expectations of how my day is supposed to go or how my children are supposed to behave or how my marriage is supposed to look or how my job is supposed to go. I mean, there's so many expectations that we can have of, of those kinds of things, but then also our expectation of God, God, I expect you to show up in this way, in this circumstance or on this, on today, I expect you to show up in this way. And when he doesn't or if he doesn't then we're like of course or so true i've just been reading rereading job in my devotional time alongside other portions of scripture and you know that that is a basic bottom line of the whole book of job Hmm. we go to god and we say i want life on my terms and god comes back to us and says actually I'm going to give you life on my terms, but I still want to be with you in it. You know, that's kind of the book of Job. And that is kind of every day uh, Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good morning, God. I want life on my terms today. And Mm -hmm. God says, actually, no, (laughs) right. But I still love you. And I'm still with you in this. Um, Yeah. I love the line we sang on Sunday. One of the songs worship was so powerful. It's really rich. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the songs just said something like you are the God of the mountain and the God of the Valley. And I thought that's such a great way to frame that such a simple way of expressing, you know, we, we really get in trouble if we start thinking God, God is only accessible or available or real or meaningful when my circumstances are good. Mm. Then God becomes so, fickle and tenuous and iffy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, that, that we, you know, when circumstances are good, like we just kind of like, of course they're good because God is with me. And when they're bad, we're like, Oh, God must not be with me. But if we stop and search for God, we realize he is there. Yeah. I just can't help but think of um, Jacob and Joseph. I just finished mm. my Bible study in the book of Genesis. And, um, you know, it just thinking about their lives, it was such a contrast of um, like, when you look at Jacob, it's like, he just kind of made all these choices that he had to live with the consequences. And God was with him. He said, Jacob says at the end of his life, God, who is my shepherd throughout my whole Mm. life. Mm. And then you have Joseph, who's like, um, 
most things, at least what the Bible records, it's like he's this kind of helpless victim. When it, he's, but he is a victim of circumstances. His brothers did, um, betray him and sell him as a slave. Potter's first wife like lies about him. He's thrown in prison and people forget about him. Like there was just not a whole lot that Joseph could do except trust God. And God was with him. So it's like, whether I make bad choices and have to suffer the consequences, God is with me. Whether I'm a victim of other people's sinful actions, yeah. God is with me. No matter what, God is And with I'm me. a sinful person in a broken world. So I will always make bad choices and others will always make bad choices. So both of those stories <laughs> are the stories of our lives. That's exactly right. So when God becomes the genie, in the bottle that I run to and try to rub in order to get myself out of circumstances, then we miss so much. It is fascinating to me. You know, Jesus gives us these cautions. I'm preaching on Sunday on generosity and just how we, how God wants us to view our financial resources. And um, I totally just forgot where I was going. Where was I going? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Who I'm knows? So, oh, I'm well. so glad that I'm not the only one that happens. It <laughs> <laughs> happens all the time to me. Wow. Okay. Well, there was that brilliant thought. <laughs> just Sunday you're speaking on generosity. Yeah. I don't know where you were going. I wish yeah. I could have read your mind. I could help Who you knows? out. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Well, we should. Oh, I know what it was. Oh, I know. Okay. I remember. Um, so uh, the scriptures often caution those who are wealthy and in the united states we are by world standards exceedingly wealthy we, i mean we tend to compare ourselves with one another in the states but by world standards we are all kings and living in palaces mm -hmm. um, i mean obviously there are exceptions but in in general uh among among us that that would be true uh, and jesus cautions us about the spiritual precariousness of our wealth mm -hmm. and and we go uh no i don't think so but i think this is actually one of those places where we are blinded by our wealth it's fascinating when i travel around the world and and, and teach other people and talk to other people in other places of the world other christians in other places like in egypt or india and nepal or nepal or wherever they have no problem accepting the fact that life is going to be hard. It's, it's a life filled with suffering, and that does not contradict the goodness of God in any way. God is good in the middle of that. And then our default here in the United States, where we're trained to expect circumstances should line up with my desires, then we fit our faith into that and get so sideways. with It's like, well, God should deliver on my expectations, and that's what brings about my happiness. So when life is hard, then God is gone or God is unfaithful or God is not right. to be counted on. Um, and I think that's just a, a weird way that our, the lenses in our spiritual eyes get warped um, mm. as a result of wealth. Hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, just over the past several months, I think I've just, I've become more and more convinced and have more and more seen the necessity of, I mean, 
I'm trying to figure out how to say this <laughs> of, um, of, of daily meeting with Jesus. Because as I walk through the day, my lenses get warped every day. Like, I think I've got my head screwed on straight. And then suddenly I'm like, whoa, where did that thought come from? Where did that expectation come from? Why am I thinking that that is important? You know, why am I upset about that small thing? And so every day I just see, oh, Lord, I need my eyes readjusted, my gaze readjusted, my thoughts readjusted. Absolutely. And it's, and not just, and this is where we've talked about this before, but um, not just spending time about Jesus, but spending time with Jesus each morning, Mm -hmm. Um, not just reading about him and praying his direction, but resting in his presence and inviting his engagement with our souls and our minds. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then I love uh, Francis de Sales is the one who talks about having retreats throughout the day. And he says, just in the moment, even when you're in a conversation, you're in a meeting, you're, you're driving across town, just lean back and lean into, into God's arms. Just mm-hmm. remember right in that moment, God's here. He's involved. He's in this Lord, correct my mistaken perspective, Lord, realign my desires so that they fit your purposes, all that. And then I'm present. Mm-hmm. I'm back. You know, that it can happen that quickly all through the day. Yeah, so, you know, it does seem like then, and this is kind of where this idea of praying for a holy discontentment kind of gurgled up in my study of this passage. It's like, Mm. you know, I think the temptation for us is for all of us, and I've been there in, in I think, a really dangerous place in the past where we get to a place of going, I really have enough of God. I kind of haven't figured out. I've got all I need of him. um, And... Uh, so I'm at this place of good enough. And then, and then I shift my gaze and I look with longing and hunger to what the rest of the world can provide that's lacking instead of going, <laughs> that's never even the best of what this world has to offer. The beauty of creation, the incredible wonder of loving relationships, family, all, I mean, whatever it is, my heart satisfaction is only going to be found in Jesus. And mm. So that was, I just felt like God kind of brought that phrase of holy discontentment and mm-hmm. the idea of, of yeah. Always being, being ever content in what we have in Christ, but yeah. never content with what we have of Christ. What were you going to say? Sorry. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I just wanted to emphasize that always being satisfied with what I have in God, never satisfied with what I have of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That feels really important. And that, and, and you challenged the graduating seniors because it was senior Sunday at our church um, that they pray this prayer all summer, Lord, make me hungry for you. And I thought, well, that could be for all of us. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it really is. And I love that you said, don't check God or church off your list, like classes or school or to do list. I'm like, I needed to hear that word and I'm not a graduating senior. <laughs> yeah. And that was, I mean, a beautiful moment uh, was when a, a woman came up to me and said, I'm 75 years old and I feel like this message was for me and I followed Jesus my whole life. When am I going to learn? And it's like, when are we all going to learn? You know, it's, this is a daily starting over. 
for us. Mm-hmm. I have become complacent in you today. I've lost my first love today. I, at some point today, I forgot how beautiful you were. And I began to look for, for the beauty of the world to, to be the thing that satisfies me. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it is an all over again thing. And I think, um, you know, Sharon was right. When, when I came home, she said, really, in a lot of ways, the thing you're wanting to ask them to pray is Lord, um, make me aware of the hunger I already have for you. And that's exactly mm-hmm. right. That's where the sermon started uh, is this, I want, I want, I want that God has planted in us. And it's a desire for himself that can only be satisfied in himself. There's never something else that we're going to find that fits that hollowed out place in our souls apart from him. Yeah. I, I'm just writing that down on my notes <laughs> so I can put that in my journal. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Sharon, for that clarification, because I think it's important that we remember and realize that God has given us a hunger that we try to fill it with so many other things. Yes. And none of them, none of them will fill that. What is it? It was Pascal, right? Who called it the Mm -hmm. God-shaped vacuum. Mm -hmm. Nothing else will fill it but God. That's Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's interesting. I mean, we were talking about quiet times, devotional times a little bit earlier. Um, I don't know about you, but I I will, on a regular basis, find myself suddenly in a very stale place in my quiet times. It's like, well, this is boring. Um, (laughs) And... um, and what I learned, um, and I remember this as kind of at the end of this whole sermon prep, is that there have been, that God taught me a long time ago, when that moment comes, just to ask God to make me hungry and thirsty for him again. I, not to try to muster anything up, not right. to, not to uh, scold myself for being there. It's like an of course, because for all the reasons we've talked about, mm-hmm. but just, Lord, just make me hungry and thirsty for you again, or Lord reveal again in me the hunger and the thirst that you've given me for you and it's amazing what comes from that and lord give me a hunger for your word and that you know it's it's a it's a prayer god delights to answer Mm -hmm. it is and i think that on that note we have to end right so thank you and begin exactly and then begin well thank you very much for spending time with us today david Thank you. Joy to be with you. And thank you for those who, um, who joined us today or who are joining us on the recording. Um, we appreciate that you're here and um, we look forward to talking with you again. Yeah. It's great to have you part of the conversation. Yep. All right. Thank you. Great. Grace. Bye. Bye.